Welcome to the Staying Alive and Rich podcast. I'm super excited to have you on the show today and I can't wait to explore where we go with with some of our topics today. You've got so much experience um, through your dream coaching and consulting um, business, but you've also been in pharmaceuticals and, you know, your repertoire and reputation is is um, incredible. And so I'm so uh, fortunate and, um, and grateful to have you on the show today. So welcome. Wow, thank you so much. That was a beautiful introduction, actually. Thank you. Um, and it's great to be here. I'm so um, I'm so excited to be here, too. I'm so excited, too, because um, you've had so much experience with, um, obviously, in the pharmaceutical industry. So, you know, tell us a little bit about your background before we go into some of the, the, the juicy topics we want to talk about today, as obviously as women, and, but not only women, everyone, actually, that's, um, that's trying to ca- carve out their path, whether it's career-wise or personal development or whatever the case may be. Um, um, you've got, you know, I was on your blog um, earlier last week reading some of your your great blogs and, you know, there's a, there's a few there that I've actually printed off. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to use that. That's actually really good advice. Um, so tell us first how, you know, what's your background and, and how you got into, um, into coaching and personal development? Yeah, okay. Thank you. I'd love to. Um, so I'm going to take a story back probably about, oh, it's, it's, it's interesting when you start saying two and a half decades ago you know it's even more than two and a half decades ago and you start going wow time time has really flown by but after university I did my um I did a bachelor of commerce degree majoring and I had three majors and um and then I went on to do a postgraduate diploma so I wasn't I was really and I was working a lot in waitressing and things like that so I was always very focused on achieving things once I finished the postgrad which was a lot of um, fun. I started going from job to job, and I'm sure a lot of us did this. You know, I was just testing things out. Didn't like that, and I noticed that here he was a supposedly smart lady. No one had never called me smart. Mm. No one had ever said to me, uh, "You don't have potential." But I didn't know what I wanted, and I was going. I was jumping from job to job, and they weren't quite working out. I, I felt like I was losing my confidence in some stages. The real world, basically, I mm. went into the real world. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I went, wow, this is not what I expected. And you had to really force through the real world. And I had a lot. I had a lot of dreaming, but I'd never solidified that dream. And I was doing so much, and I was trying so hard. Mm. So so hard, and nothing seemed to stick. And I'm looking around me. You know, you look around, and you go. But hang on a second, there's something wrong with this equation. I was brokenhearted, so my relationships weren't working out. Um, I didn't have a penny to my name. I, you know, I'd had like $1,500 to my name, but I'd had to pay my car registration a couple of months. Um, a job that I was in, I didn't really enjoy at all. Like when we say at all, it was waking up in the morning, I felt like throwing up every time I wanted to go to work. Oh, wow. That's so it'll give you sort of an idea. Mm. But I'm going... Is this life? I don't understand it, you know, and I'm meant to be smart and articulate and sociable and, you know, that sort of thing. And I had expectations. I went, what's going on? Mm. And you can, at that point, you can really start to blame everything around you or you can focus on yourself Mm, and go, what am I doing? Okay, because I couldn't keep blaming every single, I mean, at some point you have to say it's not my employer. It's me. It's, at some point, right? Yeah, if you have that that tiny bit of awareness, you go, is, am I contributing to this to this equation? <laughs> and in what way am I contributing to this equation? Yeah, 
Yeah. Exactly. And none of it was negative. It wasn't, they weren't bad. I, I just kept hopping and I kept moving cities and I kept like thinking that it was outside of me I'll, I'll go and to give you a background I've lived in a lot of different areas and some of that in, in a lot of different parts of the world and in some ways that's my strength and in other ways it's my weakness mm. it was my strength in that I got to know a lot and see a lot and do a lot mm. but on the, on the same side every time something got a little bit difficult my answer to everything was just move Mm, go get away. another job go get mm. yeah it was that kind of thing so there was a bit of a dare I say come to Jesus conversation with myself <laughs> you know, I'm allowed to say that yeah, you are you know what that, I but... often say I had to take myself to the boardroom the other day and have a stern weird meeting with myself <laughs> yeah it was it was it was one of those things and I went right what's going on yeah. and I looked around and I went I need to what I, what was happening is I was focusing on so much and doing so much I was just achieving very little mm. and that's when I got really clear now I was really fortunate as well and I know I need to cut a very long story short but I was very fortunate in that there was a Harvard business review that sort of came out around the same time as I was going through this and it was called the making of a corporate athlete Oh, wow. The making of a corporate and athlete. I like that. The making of a corporate, a corporate athlete. Like if you, you, there's, you can go down, you can Google it, PDF it. If, you, if it's too much to read the whole research, now there's been so much like conduced mm. blogs and articles about it. But this is just before the Sydney Olympics or just during Sydney. I can't remember. Look, it's been a couple of decades, so I can't quite remember the timing. But what what I saw there, and the reason why I was so fortunate is because I had a sister that was 10 years younger than me who's a four-time Australian Olympian. Oh, really? Yeah, so there's a lot. We can explore a lot here, right? But I was very fortunate. And why I was even more fortunate is because my mum was so busy with three kids, two jobs, doing a PhD. But when I got my licence in year 11, they gave me a car. I mean, they had no money, but they gave me this it wasn't a great car, but it was a car. I was like stoked. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, I've got a car. But little did I realize that it was because my mum wanted me to pick up my sister after school every day, get her home, feed her, give her some food, you know, give her, you know, change her and take her to training and then bring her back home. So that was what I was doing day in, day out, day in, day out. So by the time, if you fast forward 10, 11 years, I'd been doing that. And I just moved with my sister to Sydney because there was a 2000 Olympics. My parents were freaking out because she wanted to move here on her own. I said, don't worry, nothing's working out for me anyway in Melbourne, so I'll move to Sydney because that was my idea of how to overcome my own problems, right? And so I moved to Sydney. This thing literally lands in my lap and I'm reading and I'm going, wow, I know this. I might not be an athlete because I'm not an athlete by any stretch of the imagination, but I can be a corporate athlete. Mm. So the penny dropped. You had a light bulb moment. It was like bang. It was like all the everything just aligned. I went. I could do that. Mm. So it was, and I'd see my sister train. You know, what athletes are like they have yeah. to train twice a day, morning, night, six yeah. days a week. Yeah, know, and, yeah, and they're doing the same thing over and over and over again. Repetition. Yeah, okay. and and it was all about, and this corporate athlete part was all around the performance management. Mm-hmm. So it was all around addressing the body, the emotions, and the mind. Of course, because they need to be in sync 
so that so you get the yep. optimum. I my, my sister played tennis professionally, so I completely understand where you're mm. coming from. And you know, um, and my brother's a professional athlete uh, or has been a professional athlete as well. So I, I kind of understand, and my dad. So it kind of runs in my family, and I can understand the focus and what it means to to have that mind body connection um, on every level. And it's difficult to do continuously continuously and persistently you know and you can you, I, specifically I can remember with my sister like when she was in, in her A game she'd smash you know her um her tennis tournament but if something wasn't right just a little bit off whether it's just sleep deprivation or she had a disagreement with you know me or my brother or my parents uh, it would just throw her off her game you know um and and exactly. and, and athletes are incredibly disciplined aren't they? Incredibly disciplined. I mean, all the ones that I've had the, the pleasure of speaking to, uh, inclusive of, the, of uh, family and friends, have all kind of like, nah, there's just no compromise. This is what I need to do. This is the time I get up. This is what I need to feed my body. This is how much I need to sleep. Like they're incredibly disciplined because I understand the importance of everything having to work together. Yeah? Yep, and that's exactly it. And so then it was a question, well, how do you transfer that into the corporate world? Mm. And if you fast forward 20 years later, I went, well, I went from being, seeing what, I'm living and breathing what a what an athlete, elite athlete looks like, mm. then changing it into becoming the corporate athlete, but now I want to become the entrepreneurial athlete. Mm. But you can see the transition and I went, I can do this. I, can, I mean, understanding how the, you know, the mind, the body and the the you know, the mind, the body, and then the health works and the physical works, I went, okay, I can understand this. I can do this. So long as there's – I mean, you need a couple of things, right? Mm. And I think the most important thing is consistency. Mm-hmm. Well, as you said, discipline. I mean, discipline is nothing more. You give yourself a command and you do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So imagine, so consistency is key to it, understanding how the mind works, and then the emotional management. Yes. If I was to put anything, it's in our own – because we're emotional creatures. Mm. Would you us, say they're the, the, would you say they're the main principles of how to be able to transition, as you said, the corp, into the corporate athlete and then the entrepreneurial athlete, like uh, the consistency, the the discipline, and um, and emotional management. Emotional management. So there's a lot of little bits and pieces that come into it. Mm. Because then you have to understand how the mind works. So what, mm. what where does resilience play in this? Mm. Uh, where does contrast, where does, what does contrast play in this as well? Yeah. What do the negative emotions, what role does negative emotion play in it? Because we, we make assumptions and what definitions are we putting on all those assumptions? We make certain assumptions that having a negative feeling is bad, being hard on ourselves is bad, uh, having the imposter syndrome, like not feeling good about ourselves is bad. Why is it negative? Well, what if you were to turn all of that into how do I define it differently to help me to get to where I want? Given given that we know that everyone's going to go through mm. some kind of doubt, fear, worry at some stage mm-hmm. in every single part of their life. Mm-hmm. 100%. Well, it's innate in, in us as humans, isn't it, to at some point in our it life, is. you know, question, doubt, you know, become fearful and what have you. And overcoming well, those is, is a challenge exactly. sometimes, isn't it? And it's, look, it's a daily basis, understanding that we need. Once you have understanding, then you know what to do with it. So you become, you have to become aware of things. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing is become aware of your own feelings, your emotions, your own desires. You have to become very, very aware of them. And then you can manage them. Mm-hmm. Then you can understand where you're going to take it. 
how did you like okay so you've You've come to Sydney um, and you've you've had this light bulb moment and gone, you know what, you've read the research and you've gone, I can actually apply that. Uh, so uh, tell me about your, uh, yeah, your own personal or your own personal journey. Like obviously like yeah. everything, it's not easy, especially when you, you kind of, it, it sounds easy on paper because you go, well, that kind of sounds like it makes sense. I'm going to apply it. And obviously when, once you start applying it, it's when you start to hit those roadblocks or those challenges. Yeah, no. So tell uh, me 100%. about your, so how, did, how did you, what were some of the first things that you noticed as you started, started to kind of carve out that pathway? Well, the first, yeah, that's a very good question. First of all, it was about that going internal and going, what's not working? What is it? What's going on? And I realized how much I was doing so much, producing very little. Did you do that on your own or did you actually seek help? Like, because that's that you so need to have a stage, level of awareness yeah. to go into. Because I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah. I've spoken to loads of people, they have no idea about their inner, inner world. Like you, you would have to have a, a high level of awareness to go in and go. Okay, what am I doing? What What do I need to change? Did you? Yeah. Well, there's two things that happen there. Um, oh, well, look, I've always had great mentors and great coaches, and it started with my mum as being yeah. first. And we'll we'll get onto hopefully mm-hmm. this story. My mum's story. She's an incredible woman. I've just been again very very fortunate, and it does have it does play an impact. Yeah. And so. It, from from her perspective, it was always read no matter what happens. This is something I learned from a very, very early age because of our background as well. But from a very early age, she used to say to me, Reem, no matter what happens to you in life, always come from a position of strength, not weakness. Even if it's your fault, even if it's a mistake that someone else has, it doesn't matter. So don't ever play the victim. Always come from a position of strength. That's good And the advice. story behind that, the story behind that is incredible because we would you know, I would go to with her to school. She was she used to teach the visually impaired. Okay. And so I would go to school with her on some days off that I had off. Um, and this is back in the Middle East. This is before we immigrated to Australia. What background? And just quickly, are you are you raised? So I'm Palestinian. I'm Palestinian. You're Palestinian. Okay. So yeah, hard, hard place to 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 live and bring up yeah. kids and and do that. Wow, incredible. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, I can guarantee yeah, yeah. you that. So we used to. I used to get into taxis, go from Haifa to Nazareth, where she would teach with her. Mm-hmm. And there, there was a lot of a lot of kids my age at the time who had a lot of injuries. Mm-hmm. And um, there was one kid in particular, and he had been playing soccer uh, at one stage. And unfortunately, he he picked up this what was he thought was a shiny ball. And unfortunately, it was a mine. It was a bomb. Okay, so to cut a really long story short, he lost his eyesight. He lost the skin around his head. He lost his arms. He didn't have so up until up until sort of here, he um, he didn't have uh, one of his lower legs from the knee down. So really, uh, adversity. This is where adversity comes into it. This is this is real adversity. uh, You know, uh, this is real adversity. And yet, yet when I would go. To mum's school in Nazareth, he was one of the brightest students. So by the time I got to him, he'd already he he was totally blind, had lost his eyes, oh my and he had lost his limbs. However, I mean, he had, had, get this right. He was the brightest student. He played the traditional drums of the Rebecca, It's called like he's mm-hmm. a pro, and he was playing basketball like a professional actor, like what well, from a young person's point of view. And I, I looked at him in my house and said, how can he do that? Bless how him. can he be like, like this? He went on to write books 
in poetry. He went and did his psychology degree and started working as a psychologist. You know, so when I asked my mum, but I don't understand my look because I was like almost like taken aback by it and I couldn't even understand how this was happening. And that's when she said to me, you always take, no matter what happens to you in life, always come from a position of strength, not weakness. Wow. In other words, don't play the victim ring. And she's seen it. She's seen it firsthand in, in, in circumstances exactly. that we can't even comprehend here in Australia. Let's yeah. be realistic. So when, exactly. So I, I came out to Australia when I was 14. And um, for me, I love this country. I mean, this is beautiful. We're Australian. Like, our kids are Australian. Every, you know, everything about us is Australian. But at the same time, everything in comparison becomes, well, I can't be a victim. So what? Someone said you can't have this job. So what? Someone put something in front of me that wasn't to my liking. Mm. So what? So that's where it, I, that's, that was my first real coach is my mum. Bless. That's very powerful too. Do you know what? It, it is. Salvaging that victim mentality, which let's be, let's face it, a lot of us fall into. We, you know, it's like, oh, why me? This always happens to me. But actually coming from that position of power and flipping it on its head and going, well, you know what? That wasn't meant for me, so move on to the next thing. Or, okay, I tried, I failed, exactly. it's time to dust off. What did I learn and keep moving? It's such a such a strong exactly. thing. And we don't hear it enough, I feel, in, in our culture. And I think your mum's an incredible woman given what she um, has had to um, had to face, obviously, in, 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 um, in her own career, uh, is able to take that and, and pass it on to her family. I think it's, it's yeah, very, very absolutely. important. absolutely. But I've all, I also have always had coaches. I've always thought coaches are very important. I've always had mentors. This for me is like looking to where I want to go because when I got to this point, I thought, well, what do I actually want? Mm. This is the when even if you had this review and even if you had the most encouraging mother, it's like, do you actually know what you want? And I and that was part of the problem. I didn't know what I wanted, so then I had to think very clearly about what I want and think about the top three things and put that in place and follow that like with laser-like focus, mm. incorporating that the becoming of a corporate athlete mm, mm. sort of philosophy into my work life. And that's how I entered, like, to get into the pharmaceutical industry at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Such a funny story. I got rejected for six months. Like, Did I was really? here in Sydney. I, oh, God, yeah. My goodness. That's character building, that's isn't first. it? <laughs> Look up. <laughs> Nothing like rejection. That's funny. And I and I laugh now. I do. I laugh now. But let me tell you, there was a lot of heartache at the time. But I could imagine. it was the best. It was the best journey. But even the very first interview I went to in the pharmaceutical industry, the lady after ten minutes got up and she said, "Rain, you will never, ever, ever get a job in the pharmaceutical industry. This this interview is over." Oh my god. <laughs> and I, I know you can imagine what, <laughs> what possesses like, like you might think that, but you would never verbally actually. So, did you ask her why? <laughs> no, I didn't have enough at the time. I, I didn't have enough courage at the time. I would now, but I'm. We're talking about when I was young, a lot younger, and I was quite a shy. While oh. I was strong, I was shy as well, and I didn't. I didn't have all that belief in my. Internally, I did, but externally, I didn't. There was a lot of things going on, mm. and I was brokenhearted. I was, you know, an engagement that would just broke up. You know, there's a whole yeah, bunch yeah, of things yeah, going yeah, on yeah, at the same yeah, time. Yeah. But I think, like, it, this is hindsight, and hindsight's a wonderful thing. I did not prepare for that interview. Okay, it was, she was a bit harsh, but I, it was also, let's look at it. I had no idea what the pharmaceutical industry was. I had no idea what I was applying for. And just went in there thinking, I'll just give it a go. So at least it taught me, okay, next interview, I better prepare for it. Yeah. 
And so I kept going for interviews. I kept getting better and better. It took me six months of going to interviews, um, you know, six companies. And then finally, so what was it it like after six months when they finally said, hey, you've got the job? How, how, explain to me how you felt after six months of being rejected. I know, I know. Look, imagine now, I mean, I've got six interviews and the six interviews to go, nah, you're not the one. And well, it felt really quite surreal at the time because I remember a, a really good friend of mine said to me, Rim, just give up. What do you do? They just don't want you. Oh, <laughs> and I'm going, thanks. No, I don't, I don't want to. I don't, but it's everyone, everything that's said to me is said with love, okay? Yeah. No one meant it in a bad way. They, yeah. they, everyone just says what they know. And I went, no, that's, that's not what I'd been taught. But when I did, it was really interesting. The job that I did end up getting, it took three days three consecutive interviews and just a yes. Oh, wow. And it was so quick and it just happened. I'm like going, what the, you know, that sort of thing. But I had applied for this, and this is this is resilience, right? When I look back at this young girl, um, I, I had applied to this company three times and the first two times they said no. In the end, I actually wrote and said, look, you've said no to me three times. At some stage you're going to have to see me. Yeah. Like I was just bold. I've got I've got nothing else to lose now. I think you I think you get I think you I, there's something interesting you just said then and I and I, and I exactly where you go. You get to a point or you get to a place where you go I'm I don't want to swear but I am. Fuck it. What's the worst yeah, that can happen? <laughs> I love Thank those you. words. No no, seriously. <laughs> those those are the most powerful words you can ever say in in a loving way, right? In a loving go, way. It's like you know what? <laughs> it's and it's it's I'm going to put myself out there. They're either going to love me or hate me. I don't care anymore. And it's that's when bang, magic happens for whatever reason. Well, it did. Well, it did. And obviously they wanted to see someone who was gutsy, who yeah. had resilience because we were I was going into a space of pharmaceuticals and generics. So it wasn't the brand pharma. It was generics where you had to be a gutsy salesperson. Mm, mm. You had to go into pharmacies and be ready to get kicked out of pharmacies because generics was such a new topic in the industry. Yes. How long ago was that, You know, uh, This is, again, back in 1999, 1998 I started with them. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You were just on the precipice. So a lot of pharmaceutical, a lot of pharmacists had no idea about that sort of technology. And they had no idea. And all that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it was the change mechanism for them was very hard. And then you had the branded companies calling us the cowboys of the industry. You know, there's a whole bunch of things. But geez, it was fun. So I did get, that's how I, when I did get the job, I just went, wow, I finally got it. Wow. That's amazing. But it was so quick. It was so fast. Wow. And I think you know, that was another lesson for me is just that eventually, eventually everything will happen in the right way at the right time. Yeah, yeah. And it's always the case. You're, and it, there's, a, there's a saying, and I, I don't know where I got this, where I heard this. I know I've heard it somewhere on probably some podcast or some motivational speech. You're only ready to receive when you're ready to receive. And it's the same as you're only ready to hear when you're ready to hear. I could be telling you the same thing over and over and over and over again and you won't hear it. And then one day I'll say it and finally it'll sink. Yeah. It's interesting. 100%. And that's okay. When you're ready, when you're ready, you will know. Mm. And everything will fall into place. So that's where consistency comes into it. The trick is to be consistent. The trick is not to give up because you don't know what's around the corner. Mm. And it will it will gel at some stage. It will fuse and it will gel and it will happen. Now, I mean, after I got the job, though, that was getting the job was one 
mm. thing. But after getting the job, it was like that's when really all the babe in the woods came around and I went, I don't know what I'm doing here. I've never been a salesperson before. I don't even know how to pronounce half these molecules. I don't know what they do. Who the hell do I think I am? And I've got these big massive budgets over my head, you know, that sort of thing. Mm. And that's when really the imposter syndrome started to set in and the doubt, fear, worry, and the overcompensating and working really hard trying to, you know, this, this is, it was all by trial and error. It's you know what, and this is where I wanna I wanna delve in a little deeper because um, in, in in a world today, I mean, you, I know you're talking about the the, the late nineties, but today um, we find and I, and a lot of women that I've spoken to, and I shouldn't say women because also a lot of men um, and individuals that I've spoken to that are you know highly successful in their in their own right, um, are, are great people um, have got this this tiny little part of them that seems to just get louder and louder in their head and that is that imposter am I doing the right thing am I maybe people can see through me I really don't know what I'm doing am I doing what and I'm I'm putting my hand up I'm one of those right there have been so many moments um through my career um especially with what I'm doing now I I'm not a journalist um I've never been on live TV or any of that sort of stuff. And every single time I do a podcast, I literally shit myself because <laughs> I do. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to say it. You know why? Because I think, oh my gosh, there's so many professionals out there that sound so good that, that conduct interviews so well. Who's going to want to listen to me? What have I got to say? And what if I embarrass my, you know, and all these thoughts go in my head until I sit in front of the microphone and then it just kind of all blocks away. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. You've got it. What are you going to lose? A few, you know, a, a few random comments here and there. That's fine. I've got this. I've got this. But it can get overwhelming, you know, it, that, those fears and those doubts and all those things that you just described are really hard to navigate sometimes and, um, and you know, and some days. Some days it's fine but some days it's like when, you, when you're not feeling it and you're, and you're concerned or you've got someone that's um, or you have people around you that you know are, are better in you in certain things, you can't help but kind of, you know, withdraw a little bit and start questioning all those things. How do you navigate that? How, and, you know, like how no, do you... That's a very good question. It's a very big topic. It's a very, very big topic. But it's, it's a massive one. Then I you've guess got social we, media as well. Then you've got to contend with that. Then well, you've got to contend with that as well. Well, let's, let's just break it down to the lowest common denominator because what's I, that's what I always simply do. There is a lot to talk about. Mm. I mean, to begin with, the imposter syndrome, whether you're male or female, at some stage, and whether you acknowledge it or not, at some stage in life you're going to experience mm. doubt, fear, worry. And what is the imposter syndrome? All it is that all it is is that you feel like you someone's gonna find out that you maybe are not as good as what you they think that you should be, or you think that they should think that you should be. Mm-hmm. Like this is a this is a challenge. It's not about it's what do I think that you think of me? Well, what do you think of me? So that's what you're doing to me right now, for example, as a, a, on doing a podcast. It's, you're not saying what does – you're not actually asking what do I think of you. You're interpreting what I think of you. It's true. What it's you true. think that I think of you, which is just a reflection of what you think of you, not me. Am I worthy to be having this conversation and this podcast with you? It's is probably okay. more a more honest, you know, way of looking at it. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, 100%. And – and so what, like, the, the, then the question becomes, and, and the way I think the 
way it manifests, the behaviour manifests itself is just different to males and females, but we all go through it. Mm-hmm. And with females, because of the conditioning, because of our DNA, one could argue also because of the, the you know, our genetics as well. So we bring and it cultural upbringing with us. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it's both nurture and um, nature, mm. but we just tend to we tend to sort of overlay this thing over every part of our life. Is he good enough? Am I good enough for him? Am I a good mum? Am I going to be good in the corporation? You know, can I actually get that promotion? Whatever it may be, we we tend to ask those questions, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. When it, where it becomes not conducive, it's it's actually I, I find it that we have to redefine all of this. Rather than going, it's hard, it's not easy, it's challenging. Just understanding that it's normal, it's natural. This is our survival instinct. Mm-hmm. This has got nothing to do with you or me. It's the way our brains are designed, and it's part of our survival instinct. Being scared is important because then you you watch out for where is a threat, where is a line. It makes you look more alert, you. doesn't it? It's that alertness, right? So as long as you understand it. Now, all that's happened is because our prehistoric brain just hasn't caught up to the technology of this world, we equate a podcast and an email and someone telling us we're not good enough or our hair's not nice or we're too old, too young, too small, too whatever, as if it's a line that's going to come and Mm. eat us Mm. and we're going to die. So it's just our survival mechanism. As soon as you understand that survival mechanism, and I'm trying to, like, simplify, Simplify it, yeah, 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 yeah. As soon as you start to understand that, well, okay, then go, well, what's my self-core talk going to be like? Now that I know that this thought is okay, the thought itself is fine. Mm. The thought has never, ever, ever, it's not going to damage you in any way. If you redefine it and if you redefine the assumption behind the belief that you're about to make Mm. after that thought, because a belief is nothing than than a thought that you've told yourself enough times, and at a subconscious yeah. level, you've actually you know you've you've accepted it. You've allowed yourself to accept it, which is fine again. So you go, well, what assumption have I made? Mm. It's not, and I, I when I work, I work with you know very successful women mm. in executive roles who within their own rights, you just like go, wow, amazing from the outside. Then you start to work, work with them one-on-one and you see all the doubts, fears, worries that comes out in them and you go, well, where's that coming from and how can you redefine it? And what impact is that having on your health and what impact is it having on your total results and how much better can you be doing if you were thinking slightly differently, feeling slightly differently and behaving slightly differently? It's interesting you say that because one of the things you also said was, and part of that imposter syndrome is we tend to overcompensate, or you know, um, or people please if 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 you will, you know, um, and is that like if you can't catch yourself thinking because I know sometimes, you know, um, you you don't catch yourself thinking, you do go into that autopilot as you described earlier. You know, things just kind of happen automatically on a subconscious level because you've been kind of used to doing that, or you, your your response, your 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 natural response is to blah blah blah. In terms of um, overcompensate, what are some of the signs that if you can't catch yourself or you can't catch that thought process, but you're finding you're working longer? Or you're um, you're you're overcompensating with your kids or family or bosses or all that sort of stuff. Is that a, a kind of a good parameter to kind of you know put the brakes on a little bit and go? Hang on, what am I doing? Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's three areas. Like 
Yeah, that's a very good question. How do I notice? Well, there's practices. We all have to come to a point and we have to accept this for ourselves. But I need to just become a lot more aware because it's an awareness that once you're aware of something, 95% of the job is done. Yeah. So the question then is, do I have, what kind of mindset do I have? Do I have a fixed mindset or a, a growth mindset? Now, let me expand on that because it's very easy. Most people just say to you, oh, of course, I've got a growth mindset. Okay. So. What is a growth mindset? And <laughs> Okay. I mean, this is it. Of course, everyone will say, oh, no, I've got a growth mindset. I'm, I'm, I, I read a lot and I listen to a lot of podcasts and I talk to people. And, you know, this conversation that you and I are having, anyone can have this conversation. It's mm-hmm. an easy conversation. And now with Dr. Google and AI and anything like that, there's nothing that's not available to us. Mm-hmm. The big question becomes, are you willing to do the work and open up your mind to entertain new ideas? So uh-huh. that's what a growth mindset is. It's not, it, as soon as you hear yourself going, oh, I know that, and I know that, and I know that, well, then uh, that's a fixed mindset because you, you're not entertaining new ideas. As soon as you say, that's wrong, and something's black and white, that's a fixed idea. You're not entertaining new ideas. As soon as I promote a an, an idea to you that's way out of what you, your realm, and you have been brought up in a completely different way, and you're not willing to look at it, at the very minimal, look at it before you accept it or reject it. That's a fixed mindset. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what it is. You have to, you cannot, like, and especially when you talk about social media, because we're consuming so much of it now in such little amounts, just like this, you know, mm-hmm. quick scroll, scroll, scroll. Mm-hmm. Or is it like this? Sorry, it's just the other way. So you can tell I'm not scrolling. But it's actually like this. Right? I just hold it and it does it on its own. <laughs> it just keeps freaking <laughs> But you go, okay, are we actually questioning anything or are we just believing everything that we're seeing? And so therefore what's happening is the second we accept an idea without actually entertaining it or we reject an idea without entertaining it, we're developing these belief systems at a subconscious level without questioning it. Mm. And that's the danger, isn't it? That's the danger because I I do believe you do need to, I mean, uh, you do need to have an open mindset, I believe. It doesn't matter if you know something to the nth degree. Um, I think you always, uh, you need to listen to it like it's the first time you've heard it, right? Even if you know it. Know Every it. time. Because you know what? When you Every go in, in, when you go, and I, and someone, I read this, this was really good advice that I read in a book. And again, I don't know which book it is. So I'm not going to quote the author because I might get it wrong, but it's an, it's an old book and might even, I'm going to, I might be wrong, so please don't hate me, people. I think it might have been Carl Jung. No, no one's going to hate you. I I think it might have been Carl Jung that said, you know, always uh, the ability to to be open is to be able to look, even though you know and understand something, is to be able to listen to it like it's the first time you've heard it. Right, and I think that's important. Exactly. I think that's super, super important I mean, in regardless exactly. of what you do and where you are, because at, at, when you do that, you'll always find that you'll learn something new. You might learn something new about that individual's experience from from where they're coming from, or you might just learn something new about what you already knew and go, or reaffirm what you already know and go, oh, okay, you know what? So, yep, that is that is you know, um, the same. Exactly. You know, I think exactly. it's super, super. 100%. So it's not about, and then the, and here's the thing, it's not about whether or not you're going to accept, you can accept or reject afterwards anyway, as long as you are 
ask all the right questions. So when you ask me, how do I, it's hard, and if you don't catch your thoughts, no, we don't always catch our thoughts, but you've got three levels. You've got the feelings, you've got, so you've got the thoughts, you've got the feelings, and then you've got the actions. Mm, mm. Right. I, the easiest thing, especially for women, because we just, we're geared up to be in tune with our feelings quite a lot easier. Mm. Right? So you go, do I feel good about this? Is this right? This is making, you know, how you can feel that mm. knot here or in your mm. stomach or wherever, or in your throat, whatever. I mean, for me, it's usually in the heart. Mm. It hits me right here. And I can go, oh, I don't really like that feeling. Mm. I can say that to myself. And then so then I thought, well, what thought? Because a feeling is only triggered by a thought. Okay, well, what thought did I have? And what thought have I repeated often enough? Mm. That am I starting to have that feeling? Now, if even if I can't, I, if I don't notice the feeling, then I can go to the behaviour or the outcome that I just got. And you know when you don't like something. Mm. When something works your way, I thrive. You know, everything mm. feels aligned, everything's great, but it doesn't go your way. Well, that triggers even more feelings. And you go, well, okay, I didn't like what just happened, the result that just happened. Let me go back to how was I feeling at the time. So, therefore, what thought did I have? And then, therefore, you can take, well, what assumption did I make behind that, that thought? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. And you can go back and forth and up and down and constantly keep doing that. But again, it just takes a little bit of practice and you have to want to do it. Yeah. I right? think because, that's true, yeah. you know, most people don't like to, uh, actually, who was so it? was George, George Bernard Shaw. I love this one. Mm. He said 2% of people think, 3% of people think they think, and 95% of people would rather die than think. <laughs> like that just, I swear honestly, between that's all of them. Personality. I'm going to tell yeah. you right now. I sway between all of them. <laughs> as, as do we all. Like, we all do. But I thought, look, that's just my personality. I love that kind of thing because a lot yeah. of times I go, am I over 95% right now? Would I rather die than think yeah. because I don't want to feel the pain because I don't want to – attack my own ego because there's, the, the ego comes into play and I don't want to say I'm wrong. And I go, oh, does it really matter that much? So you can start to you can start to ask yourself questions. And now this is where it becomes really important. You know, The quality of your leadership, the quality of your life is only determined by the quality of the questions you ask, not the solutions that you come up with. Most people jump to, I just need a solution. How about just asking yourself questions first? What would you That's ask? What, what, so, what are some of the questions that you would ask? Uh, well, what, what are some okay. of the questions you would ask yourself? Right. As, okay. As, as, so, if I was no, no, go on. Sorry. Well, let's look at let's look at the podcast right now. Okay. This podcast. You said you're a bit nervous, and I'm obviously I, I would be nervous too. I was nervous too. I, I always get I like that nervous tension. That's a bit of excitement. Sometimes, if it's really nervous, I think I feel like I'm going to throw up or something. Mm. Some people hide. Some people run. Some people fight it. Mm. You know, but. The question that I, I just go, okay, what are you scared of? That's a good question to start off. Mm. What are you afraid of? And I go, well, what if I stuff up? I said, well, what evidence do you have? This is my next question. Reem, what evidence do you have that you're going to stuff up? And you ask yourself that question. What evidence do you have that you have no right to be behind a microphone interviewing people in journalism? Mm, mm. Apart from the ones that you made up. Okay. Which is just made up crap. Yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. Right, so then I go, okay, I have no evidence. Well, then you go back to the one of the most important questions that we can ever ask ourselves, and I think I mentioned this a little bit beforehand. What do I want? What do I want? Most of us know exactly what we know exactly what we don't 
don't want and we spend far too much time on what we don't want rather than saying, well, if I had a clearly defined goal, a clearly defined vision, what would I want? Mm, interesting. What would it be? And then you put yourself in that position as if it's already happened. Yeah, yeah. The athletes do this all the time. Yes. Again, my sister was a 10-metre platform diver. Oh, wow. Bravo. Right? And wow. and what what they, oh, I love the way you say bravo. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Bravo. Bravo. It's, <laughs> br- it's, 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 it's a, bravo. Bra- it's it's a big bravo for all the Eastern Europeans it. out there. Yeah, it's a bravo. You know, jumping off a platform and freaking being an Australian gold medal or, you know, in the Olympics, that's friend. Does she win many medals? So it's the, she's a two-time back-to-back Commonwealth gold medalist. Bravo. And, That's a double um, bravo. She won, yes, it is, it is. And she, um, she's also a silver and bronze Olympic medalist. That's phenomenal. I mean, she's got this, and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just like minimising the story. It's a massive story. She's been retired for some time. I'll, we, we, that's another story. That's altogether. another podcast. But, <laughs> that's another podcast. It really is. But the, thing, the, the point, though, of that is that you just have to ask yourself the questions and go, what evidence do I have? And then what do I want? If you look at athletes, mm. they have to rehearse every single move well beforehand. They've already done the dive before they do the dive. That's right. They've already worked out how they've landed. This, this is not woo-woo stuff. No, it's this not. Is creating, it's not. It's the faculty of imagination and actually seeing yourself in that goal as though you're living it. There's a, there's an American uh, mystic, uh, an old mystic called Neville Goddard, and he talks a lot about uh, the, the power of the imagination. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's not, uh, not many well, people. The power, I'm reading the power. I've read his book. The power of assumption. I'm on my fourth go right now. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Power yeah, of yeah. assumption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it really, it, it's so. Now, this the stuff that he talks about has been with us since the beginning of time. Oh, Sophocles yeah. would talk about it. Uh, all the ancient Greek Roman philosophers, the Far Eastern mm. spiritualism, discussed this way beyond imagination, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. From the first. From Get-go. So nothing's really changing. It's all exactly the same. Mm. And the way that our mind works is that we see pictures and images, and it's always in the present tense. So your subconscious mind doesn't know whether something's really happening or not. Mm. Or whether it's good or bad. That's why when they say, or whether it's good or bad, but that's why they they often say thoughts become things, because we keep thinking, we've got 60 to 90,000 thoughts per day. Mm. Now, on average, we're repeating 95% of those thoughts every day, day in, day out, day in, day out, day in, day out. And on average, if we're not careful, 80% of them are going to be negative. Mm. So then you start creating all these habits and all these paradigms of thing about things that you've told your subconscious mind is true because it sees every single word that you're talking about. Everything you say to yourself, you're seeing it in an image in the present tense as if it's already happened. Mm. Mm. Now, it's not am I going to have lots and lots of thoughts and am I going to repeat them? It's a question. Question now, it goes back to Neville's work, Power mm. of Awareness mm. or Power of Imagination. He, he's written a lot. Mm. And you go, well, what do I want to think? We have choices here. That's where our choice is. It's not, yeah. am I going to think? Am I going to have thoughts? Am I going to repeat them? Am I going to have habits? That's not the choice. The no. choice is what thoughts, what feelings, what actions, what habits am I going to create? And what is it going and to take? I know what I would rather. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Couldn't agree with you more. And and once I think once you've kind of, you start to 
to categorize your thoughts a little better. And I use the word categorize really, really loosely because everyone has their own goals and, and ideas of what, yeah. they, what they want in life. For some, it's, you know, um, career. For others, it's, it's sports or, or what have you. But once you begin to categorize those thoughts in a way that's in line with your what I want or your goal, um, then it starts to kind of slowly move ahead. Am I right in saying that? Well, you're creating it. You're creating it. If you see mm. it, but nothing's ever been created before you actually see it on the screen of your mind. Nothing. Mm. You mm. cannot create something. So, for example, Wi-Fi, technology for Wi-Fi has been around with us since time this has started. It's mm. just that we came to a point where we could because someone started imagining it. Mm. And it probably started with the fax machine. It started with whoever it may be. Mm. And here we are. I mean, today now, in, just with our mobiles alone, we're all carrying a mobile in our back pocket. We've got in pocket, sorry, we've got more technology in that mobile than what put man on the moon. Mm. Yeah, we do. But, but someone had to. Someone had to actually see that image. So the question is not, am I going to create an image on the screen of my mind? It's what image do I want to create? So if we go back to that simple example that you gave, which I thought was a brilliant example, mm. who do I think I am? What if I'm well? The question shouldn't be who do I think I am, it's the question who do I think I'm not. Mm. Who am I not to show the world what it is that I have? Mm. Why play it little? What right do you have not to do this? I love that. Why play it little? Isn't it interesting? I love that. And you know what? When now that you said that, it's so true. So many, so many people out there think the same. They're like, I'll just, I'll just do this and if it works, if it doesn't, and it's just like, why play it? Play it big. You know, what's the saying? Well, I mean, yeah, Reach for absolutely. the stars and, and touch the sky. I, and exactly. And you know, what if you reach even beyond the sky, the stars? You don't know. Who, yeah. who, you, who are you to put those barriers in front of ourselves, and and in front of yourself? And that's what the imposter syndrome is. If until we start to understand why it's happening and how we can make it work for us, mm. it always will stop us in our track. And you see it time and time again. Like I've had people in the executive coaching. And they're so successful, say to me, and in their 50s even. I, mean, I, don't, I still don't want to know what I want to be when I grow up, Reem. Wow. How do you respond to that, Reem? Like when you when you have an established, established, you know, middle-aged person at the top of their game, you know, really kicking goals and they go, I still don't know if I like this or I still don't know what I'm going to do. Well, what's your response as a coach? What's your initial response to that? Well, first of all, I love it. Because they've been very honest and open. Yeah, yeah. That's the key to it. You really, when you find a coach, you want to make sure they're the right person that you're comfortable with, that you're going to open to, that's not going to judge you, that's going to has got the life experience as well. Because the, the reality is, you'll never know what you want to do when you grow up. Because we have different phases in our lives, and you get to where it is that you want to, and you go, ah, it is it. Once you achieve the, achieving a goal, you achieve the goal, and you go, oh, what's next? By nature. Our, our nature wants to keep growing. Mm, but but mm. the day we don't grow is the day we die. It's true. It's okay. True. So it, just expect that every so often, every five years, every three years, every ten years, whatever it is for each person, it's individual, you're going to come to a crossroad and you need to work out, well, what's next? What are some of the steps that you or some of the questions that you would encourage people or thoughts that you would encourage people to think about to kind of clarify a little bit what they want? No, that's a very good question. Um, first of all, you have to go into a dreaming state for this, right? You really need to understand how the mind works. And there's a reason why I call 
the company Dream Coaching and Consulting. I mean, I know my my name is R E E M. You just throw a D in the front. You've got Dream. I love that's, the play on words. I love it. It part. works. <laughs> it is, but it really is beyond. It goes beyond that. Everything has to start with a dream. I mean, when you talk about strategic planning, strategic planning. You know, when companies go into this mm. five year strategic planning, mm. spend a lot of all it is is visualization, right? Mm. In a very strategic way, much more complicated way. So you have to start with, well, what is it that I want? Now, a lot of people may not have spent a lot of time in silence to know mm. what they want. This is true. The first thing, the first thing I would ask people is just, just have you allowed yourself at least half an hour a day or well, 20 minutes a day? If you don't have 20 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day where you turn everything off, do you actually sit with yourself alone and ask yourself, what do I want? And even if it doesn't come to you, most likely, if you sat with yourself alone, what will come to you is what you don't want. And what a great, great place to start. What you don't want. Yeah, I mean, everyone can rattle off what they don't want really, really quickly. Yeah. But it's amazing. Yeah. So I, so I go, okay, let's just make it easy. You don't know what you want, but let's, let me ask you, what don't you want? You just ask that question. Mm. And then as soon as you go, what I don't want, I go, well, what's opposite to that? Mm. It's true. The opposite of what you don't want is what you want. There's n- nothing more beautiful. And this is why most people see things bad that happen to them as a negative. I see things that happen to me, like the contrast, mm. as, wow, this just shows me exactly what I don't want, which is going to get me closer to what I do want. Mm. But again, it just goes back to how are you defining the situation and the problem and the thought and the feeling? How about we just stop defining things as bad? Mm. How about we go, this is an opportunity to ask questions, to find out what I want. If I know what I don't want, it gets me close to what I do want. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. There's a lot so more clarity. There's a lot more clarity in the contrast of what you said and the bipolar and the, the opposite of, of what you don't want. Because we you're right, we all know what we don't want. Right. But we um but we, the minute we kind of flip it and go, well, what is it that you do want? You know, we might ramble off of a couple of things, but we're, we're quick to go back, well, I don't want to be working long hours and, you know, I don't want to be uh, uh, paid minimal wages and, you know, I, you know, I, I do want a big house, but da-da-da-da, you know, and it's, it's interesting. But, but the, it's always a but. It's yeah. always a but. Yeah. And when it gets to the point where it's really a lot of buts, rather than fight it, right, I don't fight it, but just go, okay, we'll rattle it off, go for it. I want you to put it on, go, go. Take an hour if you want. Mm, Just mm. tell me exactly what you don't want, as long as when you look at the opposite of it. So if you put two columns on one page, we put the opposite of it, and then we go and we cut what we don't want out and we throw it away and then we start to focus on what we do want. That's a great that's that that's so much more clarity in that. So much more clarity. That's a and great exercise, start, actually. It's a beautiful exercise. And here's the thing, the reason why you would do it with someone else, why you would choose a coach who can ask all the right questions is because, uh, you know, we all have a blind spot. If you look at Jahari's window, it's an organisational psychology, um, you know, uh, framework. In Jahari's window, one of, one, of, one of the windows is our blind spots, but other people can see what we can't see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, about us, ourselves. And there's also a spot of what we know about ourselves but unwilling to show other people. You want someone who's really good and who you're comfortable with to challenge you on both of those things. That's true. That's true. 
And it's hard. You, and it almost needs to be someone that you don't know and that doesn't know you. I don't think it could I be a friend or a family. I mean, it can be, it probably can be if they're willing to kind of, um, you know, not be biased. I'd suggest not, honestly. Yeah. No, I'd suggest not. You can take it to a certain level and you have to have their, you really do have to have their permission from a family. Well, you have to have their permission anyway from as a coach. But if you're using, for example, your partner or your sister or your brother, there's a lot that's involved there. So it's a question of, you can use it to a certain level, but who's going to push you? Because you've got your own biases towards them. Because exactly. you grew up with them. Exactly. Exactly. You, you want someone who's got no bias whatsoever, who's not going to judge, who's seen everything, who's made all the mistakes themselves as well, and who understands it and who knows what questions to ask. That's the other thing. Yeah. You need to be able to ask the questions. So it's kind of like challenging. Well, what evidence do you have to support this thought that you've got right now? And then people go, yeah, but you don't understand. Like, okay, well, let's let's just take it back a notch. Help me understand what I don't understand. Yeah. Okay, and what if you were to see it differently? And what assumption are you making behind that belief? And where did you learn that? Mm-hmm. And what do, you, what do you want the future to look like? Because... One of the things that we need to this is this is simple yet so profound. If we have, according to research, we've got four hundred forty no four hundred billion bits of pieces of information coming at us in any one second. How much? Can you repeat that number? Four hundred billion. Four hundred billion bits of, bits of information coming at us. Okay, there's so much, right? Do you know how many we see or we become aware of? I don't know one. 2,000. 2,000. Wow. So then the question becomes, if we say now, and those 2,000 are based on, you know, our cultural background, our experiences in life, uh, what we've inherited. There's so much that comes into it, right, our DNA. And so if we're only seeing 2,000 bits of information like this, mm. at any point in time, how do you know what you think is true? Mm. Isn't how, how are we, like the way the mechanics of the mind, okay, we have to look at the mechanics of the mind. And we go, I have no evidence to prove that in any situation I am true because there's so many other considerations and perceptions to yeah, be yeah. taken. And so the question is, then becomes, what questions am I going to ask to find what I'm not seeing? And who do I go to to help me see what I'm not seeing? And how do I, what do I choose to believe? That's another really good question. What do I choose to believe today? That's do I want impo- to choose to believe that I'm going to stuff up? Yeah, yeah. That's such an important one, especially in today's world when we've got, like you, like so much thrown at us in terms of obviously technology and social media. And I'll go back to social media again because it's such, you know, I saw some stats the other day which was, you know, by the time we die we're going to spend five or six years on social media. Like six years. Waste, six years. Six years. Wasted. And it's like, <laughs> oh, my God, six years just gone like that just through scrolling and what have you. And everyone, even, you know, kids, these young kids that are coming through, they're already on iPads already. And that frightens me it really really does it's like these kids you know they're, they're filling their minds with all this this jargon you know some of it's good but some of it's not that great and even us as adults you know you know how do you selectively sift through this process and only take on what's you know i mean because there are a lot of positive things on social media as well it's not all bad but uh, you know in today's world with so much being thrown at us on top of everything else that goes around as you mentioned earlier 
Like, yeah, and, and it goes back to I will not accept or reject any idea until I question it so, and I ask the questions. It's just that most of us don't want to ask questions. Most of us don't know. Most of us want to go straight to solution. Why? Why not? I mean, this is a beautiful thing that we've got here. This is the most beautiful thing. Just don't let it take control. Don't, you can't let it take control because it's also one of the most complicated, most bizarre. It's like the monkey's leading the zoo <laughs> in here. It really is. And if you start to believe every single thought that you have, you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. You're in trouble. So rather than – it's you need to acknowledge it. You need to acknowledge all your feelings. It's okay. To, and you need – we have sadness. We have the grief process. All of that is fabulous. And you have to go through it and there's no timing on it, but then you have to actually question every single, single thought. Why would you accept the thought before entertaining it? And that and I guess questioning also helps manage your emotions. Am I am I right in saying that? Once that's you start emotional, question- that's emotional management. Yeah. That's that- emotional management there. Yeah. And it's okay to feel and there's the other thing, though. Most of us are not willing to sit in pain. Now Buddha said it said it beautifully. You know, pain is inevitable it's suffering that's the choice mm. so we equate pain with suffering no suffering is the choice the pain is inevitable how do you differentiate the difference though how do you differentiate because suffering well, that, can be uh, that's a good one well that's very good are you are you playing from a position of strength or are you playing from a position of weakness are you playing the victim that's where suffering comes in okay got so you. someone who's very strong i mean so, Things happen to all of us. We go through. I mean, I've been rejected. I've had uh, problems. We've all had our issues. You know, you know, no one's come through life without problems. The question is, are you feeling the pain and then asking yourself, well, what am I going to do with this from a laser-like focus and utilising all the, everything that we've been discussing or are you going to suffer through it and be the victim and blame everything external to you? That's good, Reem. I love that. So suffering, you're playing sub, on, a, on a subconscious level, you're playing the victim. But if you come from a strength yep. of power, then you embrace the pain, you feel the pain, you acknowledge the pain, and then you can actually take that next step or whatever your next step is. Exactly. So you feel the pain in here. And boy, sometimes, sometimes it's really like it's just you feel like your heart's about to break into a zillion pieces, but just feel it. Sit with it. Allow it to rise. Don't suppress it. Don't blame anything externally. So that's where that extreme accountability comes into it. Mm. If it's not your fault, just take accountability. It's your responsibility. So whatever's happened to my life, not everything's my fault. I'm not going to like, I'm not that mug who takes, like everything's my fault, I'm going to blame me. That's another um, podcast paradigm that we create. (laughs) Well, and, and, you know, that imposter syndrome, can we end up blaming ourselves for everything? Don't blame, I'm not saying blame yourself, but take responsibility for everything because that's what's in your control. Mm. Yes, someone could have been an arsehole. Yes, someone could have treated you in the wrong way. It's not, you know, and it's not your fault, but you take responsibility for it and don't suffer through it. Feel the pain, cry, scream it out, do whatever it is that you need to do. But then how am I going to take how am I going to? How am I going to rise up? Mm. Rise above it. Because like this is life, right? Mm. This is life. It's up, down, up, down, up, down. No one can avoid that. Just the tide goes in, the tide goes out, the tide goes. You can't avoid it. Mm. Don't even. Try. Why would you even want to avoid it? It's the beauty in life. 
mm. right? But the difference is that those people have really mastered that emotional management. They understand that when they're down here, okay, they have to take this, say, well, what's in my control right now and what can I do? I feel the pain. I understand it. It's not nice, but then what do I want? And they bring themselves back up again, up back to the mountain. Mm. knowing full well that you're never going to stay up in the mountain. The only reason why it feels like you're always up in the mountain is because you know how to deal with it when you fall. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Get out of the pity party. I, like we talk about the pity party, right? Just If you need to be in it for a little while, that's fine. Mm. Just don't bring, like you're in a pool, you know, at the pity party and then you bring the flamingos and you blow them up and you're swimming in your pity and, you know, you, you want to stay in there and you want to bring people in with you to swim with you with the flamingos in the pity party. It's just how long do you want to be in there for? That's that's the question, isn't it? How long do you want to feel sit there feeling sorry for yourself before you do something about it? Yeah. And even if exactly, see, so, and then you go, but it, you're allowed to feel sorry for yourself and still take action towards what mm. you want. Mm. Yeah. So it's just, again, redefining everything. Yeah. You want to redefine every single one of your thoughts, redefine every single one of the situations that's happened, and then come from a position of that strength. And that's where, when I say my mum and that one sentence when I was, I would have been no older than nine years old, by the way, when she said that to me. Wow. What a legend. It's been on repeat. It's been on repeat. And, and, go and on so her. it's quite, absolutely, because what she had to go through as well. Obviously, someone taught her that and someone taught them that. And so well, now it's time that we teach ourselves that. You know, and you, do, you do come from part of the world where it's always been uh, uh, unstable, you know, and you have to look at your strength and you have to come from a position of power in, in everyday life, in everyday things that you do. Because just when you feel like you're perhaps suffering, there's, you know, you describe that young boy, he's, imagine he's not coming from a position of, of um, feeling sorry for himself. He's gone, well, this is the, this is the card that God dealt me and I'm going to kick the, my goals anyway, you know, and it's no, literally, incredible. It's yeah, literally, a, yeah. I think we've lost that in today's society. I feel like um, the young ones today as they're, as they're going, and I'm going to generalise because this is, and I don't mean to, you know, offend anyone, but I feel like that that grit and that's, uh, that strength that your mum talks about um, comes with, you know, with great adversity, comes with, you know, uh, yes. great contrast. Yep. Um, and you can see how grateful you are to be in a country where you're safe and, you know, and we're all safe and, you know, we're, we're blessed to be able to, to, to make great livings and, and do the things and that we have the freedoms that we have. Um, and that comes with that um, experiencing what she'd experienced, and she, you know, she parted that. She passed on that um, that great, great, um, great sentiment to to you and and your sister and and yeah. your family. But this is, is why, well, you don't have to go through the same adversity. This is why no. uh, to to be able to realize it. But what you can do, this is why these these podcasts are so important. Mm, right. Mm. So now if I want to go back to your original, oh, who do I think I am? And I'm so glad you, you I'm, and I know we're going to exaggerate what you're feeling. It's okay. Exaggerate to, all you want. I'm used to it. It's fine. <laughs> you know, but it's, this is why it's so good to be able to demonstrate that. You go, well, again, you had this feeling of who do I think I am, but it's a question of, well, what are you stopping people from learning? Because 
they don't get to hear this unless you had done this in the first place. Well, do you know what? That's my why. My why is I don't, uh, you know, my is and what I when I get like that and I go into that. Oh my gosh! I'm, you know, what if I muck this up? And what if this person doesn't really want to talk to me? And you know, blah blah blah. And I get into that that headspace. My thing is, well, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about you, Maria. Like this is literally what I say to myself: get over it. It's not about you. It's about Reem, and she's got some really relevant invitation that your audience and whoever out there in internet world needs to hear it. They're going to get some great value out of this, and your job is to facilitate Reem's knowledge and experience to the rest of the world and then I just go in and do what I'm doing that's how I get over it and so most (laughs) and and you do well and that but it's actually good and here's the thing it's it's good to go through those thoughts because it makes you prepare you've got paperwork that you prepare doesn't matter whether you use them or not we've both prepared and we haven't used anything but (laughs) the point that well we but the preparation is the most important and then once you come to this thing you have fun with it right you just have fun so when when you go through when we talk about the imposter syndrome and the doubts, the fears, the worries, what it's stopping us from doing, because most females, I mean, we're talking about females here today, but yeah, it, it yeah. does apply to males as well. Yeah. They'll stop themselves from doing a lot of things that they would love to do, but they're too scared to do. Right? Yeah. That's what the imposter syndrome does. So then the question is, do you really want to live your life like that? And so what else can you what else do you want to explore in your life? What else do you want to do? When you understand why you're having these feelings, what if, again, me thinking, for example, that what if I stuff it up when I get on this podcast and what if I don't know what I'm saying mm. is the best thing that could ever happen to me? Mm, true. Because then it allows me, it allows me to get in the zone, it allows me to do some thinking, it allows me to go on your other podcast that I listen to, to go and do some homework, to understand myself, to reflect back on my own history, to, to do all of that and then to come have fun with you. Because mm. this is what this is. This is just fun. And so what we need to do is stop taking ourselves so seriously. This is the other thing about the imposter syndrome and corporate world and the entrepreneurial world. Oh, my God, we just take ourselves so seriously. We do. We do. Why do we do that? It's why, like, why? 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 I don't. I actually don't take myself seriously. I I take the piss out of myself all the time because the only time I take myself seriously is when I'm trying to give my kids a sermon, Um, and it's often when I'm. (laughs) often when I'm. How's that going for you? How's that going for you? (laughs) They hate my sermons because I can rant. Let me tell you, (laughs) I can rant. You know those Eastern European genes. Yeah, that's what my mother passed on to me. You know, kill them with your ranting, and they will do what they they need to do. <laughs> eventually, eventually, eventually they'll do it. Don't worry. Eventually, but um, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, what what would you say, Reba? I was just thinking this as you were talking. You said that the imposter syndrome stops us from from, I guess, achieving our goals or, or taking that next step forward. And 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 after speaking to you, you can kind of see how our thoughts kind of get in our way, and we actually get in our way because yeah, we might take ourselves too serious, or what have you. But what would you say? And I don't know if you have experience. I, I I'd imagine you would because you've you, you know you've had such a long career in this. Um, what if someone comes to you and they've had a really crap child, really traumatization, traumatized childhood where they've been berated? or perhaps possibly even abused, um, and and that's really kind of stagnated their own um, th- their own ability to perceive yeah. themselves in a way in which uh, I- in a way that the world can perceive themselves. Because I feel like um, 
uh, adults that have gone through a level of trauma as a child struggle with imposter syndrome a lot more uh, and a lot more viciously than someone that's had perhaps a healthy child. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, 100%. And, you know, you have to really tread lightly Mm. with that and don't underestimate Mm. what people can go through. Mm. The biggest thing is this, right, by the time we're 35, Whatever's happened to us in the past has happened to us in the past. We can't change our parents. We can't do any or what's happened or that. You just can't change it, right? So it's coming to a real acceptance at the very end that, well, what do I want to do now? Mm. After 30, because you've formed 95% of your personality by the time you're 35 has formed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. 95% of your behavior are at a subconscious level. Form. Now, here's the interesting part. 50%, according to the work of Dr. Joe Dispenza. Mm-hmm. Which I love, by the 50%, way. 50%, yeah, he's just amazing, right? 50% of me- our memories are made up by time we're 35. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm not trying to, look, trauma is trauma. I'm not trying to belittle that, okay? No, no. So it's a question of what happens then is that every time something happens today, we go to the to the past and we search for evidence and data and that data can be corrupt data mm. right and we bring it to today and we relive those feelings so we keep taking the same actions and we're creating our future from the past now if, if your past has been great one could argue what's wrong with that but if your past has been traumatic and it has been less than what you want do you really want to continue to create your future from your past? Because the screen of our mind, we only see images in the present. It doesn't know whether it's happened or hasn't happened mm-hmm. or anything like that. It just thinks it's true because it's seeing it. So you're creating the same, same, same. Or do you want to say, enough, I want to short-circuit this and I want to go and create my own future regardless of what's happened in the past? Mm. That's radical acceptance, though, isn't it? Especially for people. It's true. Well, we, yeah, absolutely. And and you know the the challenge with that is that you don't have to ask yourself, is this my choice or is it someone else's choice? Mm. And if it's not your choice, who have you relegated your power to? Who have you given away your power to? Yeah, that's that's. that's if you go, but I don't have a choice about this. You go, well, where's it gone? That's the whole point of free will. And I say this very carefully because I understand that different people have got different childhoods, certainly different. But again, you have to ask yourself, what do I want to do now? Because life is about choices. It's a tough decision to make. You go, what do I want to do? Do I want to create a future based on what I want, regardless of what's happened in the past, and seek forgiveness and seek forgiveness for others and myself? Mm. And start having building, knowing what we know about the mechanics of the mind, mm. and building my future from the unknown, mm. which is completely up to me. Or do I want to keep bringing that future, that past, sorry, with me and dragging it? Human beings, by the way, are notorious for bringing things from the past. I mean, we see it at a global level. Mm. Why do we keep having wars? Like, we've learned nothing. We're just we're, we're so immature. Don't even we get really started. are. We're not that sophisticated. That's another podcast. Right? So we, <laughs> it is. Look, listen, that's why it, in the beginning I went, listen, we could be here for hours and hours. But yeah. this is, it's good to, to be thinking about these things and questioning everything. So then the question becomes very simple. What do you want? Mm. 
It always goes back. It always goes back to what do you want? And you know what? We ask that question. We ask our kids, what do you want to eat? What do you want? What do you want from me today? You know, but to actually stop and really, really, and I'm going to challenge the audience and whoever's listening to this podcast and and, and to, to just, you know, like put it in our comments and say, okay, so what, what do you want? Put in the comments, you know. I want a better life. I want a better job. I want a bigger house. I want to drive a, you know, Mercedes or, you know, I want to travel and, and, you know, never have to work again. What is it that you want once you are clear? Or I want all of it. Or Or I I want all of it. Or I want all of it. It doesn't matter. What do you want? Yeah. That's it. And the trick, if you're talking to your audience right now, the trick is get out of the intellectual and go into the heart. Yeah. For whatever, I mean, because we, especially in the, um, sort of the workspace, we've really become quite that. We've adopted the masculine space, and it's not. It doesn't mean it's bad mm. because this is really beautiful. You know, the heart, the, 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 the intellect is a beautiful, beautiful thing, right? Mm. But we've forgotten about our heart. Mm. But this is the master. This mm. is the master. Don't make this the servant to those sixty to ninety thousand useless what could be useless thoughts, mm. you go to the heart first and then generate the sixty to 90,000 thoughts, which become very powerful. Mm-hmm. It's just that we've got it the other way around right now. Yeah. We go to the outside, we see what's happening everywhere, do I like it, do I not? And then we form the thoughts that, that brings down the feelings to the heart. Well, why not do it the other way? Because that's mm-hmm. going to be more powerful. So you go internally. Then you generate the beautiful sixty to 90,000 thoughts per day that are repeated 95% of the times every day, day in, day out, that will all of a sudden 80% of them will be positive, not negative. So you're switching, you're switching. things around. Yeah, yeah. You're 100% right. I think, was it Joe Dispenza that did that research uh, and measured heart energy and found that heart en- energy uh, spreads wider uh, than uh, um, the mind? I think it was I think it was I think it was him. Uh, he, he's just phenomenal in that he's taken it into the science world. Which is what I love about right? it because he, t- he takes the esoteric and then he explains it with science and then and then he kind of goes, ah, I understand it. I, I'm, I like, I'm a bit geeky like that. So he's hitting it, yeah, he, yeah. he, he hits it from all levels because we do. We operate on a, and we operate on a spiritual, uh, intellectual, and then also a physical level. Mm. So why not hit all levels depending on where you, what mood you're in that day? One day we could be very, very spiritual. We don't need anything. We're just like in love with everything. Mm. And it's really easy. Another day, depending on what the situation is, we could be really in the intellect. It's okay. Mm. He hits the intellect so beautifully. Mm. You just can't argue with it. Different days we could be just purely in the physical, so we actually need to we need to adhere to that and show how the physical first is the most important because without your health you're nothing. That's true. That's true. Reem, it's been an absolute pleasure. And for those of you listening to us today and and love what she has, um, jump on her website. We'll have all the deets on on our website as well as well as on um, YouTube and on Spotify and Apple. Um, but yes, please jump on her website and and follow her Insta. Um, what's your Insta? It's Reem. It, Dream is it Reem yeah, underscore com. So Reem underscore com. Reem underscore. Was it Dream? No, sorry, Dream. <laughs> I, I stopped knowing the difference between Dream and Reem. You can call me whatever you want. <laughs> oh, that's all right. We'll have it. We'll have it all up on. Uh, we'll have it all up on YouTube. Dream underscore com. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for coming. It's such a pleasure to be here as well. 